It's Martin Ware here again. Electronically yours, week upon week, episode upon episode. Today's guest is Ian Anderson, the main man behind the Designs Republic. Um, you may not be familiar with the Designs Republic. I'm, I'm from Sheffield and they are uh, very proud Sheffielders, even though he's born elsewhere. They, ha- uh, Ian has designed 5,000 record sleeves and um, his company, Designs Republic, have been involved in fashion, is it me, Arkit, Comde, Garçon, uh, they've done nearly all the Warp records, Apex Twin, he's done Jarvis, Pop Will Eat Itself, Fortecra. Um, he's an inspirational designer. You would probably almost certainly know some of his work. And on their website it says, uh, Designs Republic define visual language of the late 20th century, or help to design the visual language of late 20th century dance music. It's worked uh, for visual design for computer games like Wipeout, you may be familiar with if you're into gaming. Uh, he works with architects, uh, he's done work for Coca Cola, Sony, Nokia, MTV, Gulbelkian Gul- Gul- Foundation, University of Sheffield, Manchester School of Art. He's lectured to 100,000 people around the world. They've had 30 solo Designers Republic exhibitions. He's an educator, an artist, a dad, a DJ, a book publisher, a documentary maker. He's a fantastic designer with a unique vision. He's a good lad, he's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter. Here he is, Ian Anderson. Welding goggles. <laughs> well, I think if you're going to wear them, you might as well make a bold statement. It makes your head look really tiny. <laughs> they look like <laughs> Land of the Giant glasses. <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm just, uh, I nearly forgot about the meeting, to be honest. I've just like had. Good job of reminding you then, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, did you not have it in your diary? What's wrong with you? Buy a watch. It's going to say, like, you know, you need to like learn to sort of remember the time. I never, and I still ask everybody what the time was, and always kind of forget that I've got to watch. <laughs> it's not something that I. So, um, uh, what what's uh, what what's appertaining with um, Designs Republic then? Um, well, I mean, you know, like everybody else you know, in the industry, I kind of went in a. It was it was kind of went quiet. Over lockdown, especially given that a lot of the stuff that I do is is related to venues, you know, and events and yeah. things. Um, but recently, in the last few months, it's just got really busy. And I, and I guess that I guess that with the um, you know with the lockdown and not there not being so much work just kind of trickling and you know coming in on a regular basis, you know, you, you get the opportunity to think, what is it? If, I, if I'm going to go and chase some work or put myself out in front of people, who is it I want to do that with, you know? Right. And I think that's that's kind of paid off. So I've got like a, I don't want to say I've got too much work, but it feels like that, you know, because it's it's suddenly there's like a, a kind of a tidal wave of stuff coming. So so in that respect, it's good. Um, I'm working mainly on my own and then, you know, with people remotely. 
like me like anybody would be but I mean I'm, I'm you know sort of it, it just got to be too too much of a weight around my neck to to sort of maintain a studio and staff and admin and and all of that you know I think people don't fully understand the nature like you you I regard you as being an artist right and you have an artistic temperament uh, and you have a vision and do I often find myself in a situation where I'm going I don't really want responsibility for other people's lives I don't want to be thinking about that it's a distraction from what from what I'm good at which is being creative yeah and uh, so I don't think it's I mean whilst we're on that um that, that that interstitial meniscus, oh excuse me, of uh, uh, I should have gone the, the good old days. Um, <laughs> oh dear! Um, the, whilst we're on that that, uh, that that borderline between commercial and artistic, and we d- we acknowledge that we need to earn mon- good money, and you've got to deal with it, don't you? Yeah, but really. What I need is somebody who would just take that weight off my fucking shoulders. It's driving me crackers. That's the same with me, you know. And I was, I've been thinking about, you know, at some point I'm going to have to hire some people just just to be able to kind of get through the work, you know, and do some of the legwork and things, so that I my head's freer to do what I'm good at, you know, in terms of you know problem solving and ideas. But then. You know, I I don't want to get in a situation where you kind of go out and go, okay, I, I need one of these people, I need a digital person, I need, you know, I, I, it's it, Designers Republic has always grown quite organically, so it's a little bit like where 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 would I start growing it if at all, you know? Again, and and the, the reality is that to get someone that can run the business how I need it to be run, I don't mean like making a big kind of you know big business decisions or anything because I don't want it to be like that size but just someone that can keep me organized you know yeah. make sure I don't miss zoom yeah. meetings yeah. Yeah. you know and 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 all that stuff about invoicing and sorting oh, out tax oh it's so dull it's it, it, but I'm just not very good at it you know I can in terms of a in terms of the creative aspect of a job I can deal I can multitask I can deal with a lot of things but you know, it it you. I only need one tax form or one VAT return <laughs> to come in, that then that bursts that whole creative bubble, and I'm back down to think, oh god, you know. And do I want to do this? Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, it's it's. I think creative people tend to tend to kind of gravitate, obviously, towards creative things, and you know, we we thrive on 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 building on ideas, but things like you know, tax forms or, or all, all, I mean, all of that outside of the business. But, I mean, even, even things, you I'll know. I'll tell you what really bugs me is funding applications. You don't have to deal with this shit probably, but. No, well, I mean, I, I kind of, I used to, and then I stopped dealing with it when I stopped having someone to deal with it. And I kind of thought, you know, I, I kind of, I'll find a way to get by without funding whether that be for me or not doing a particular project but i i think that but that i also in that kind of box of things that you know i just can't bring myself to do is is you know things like making a cup of tea it just seems to be like <laughs> do you know it, 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 it's a little bit for me i imagine it's a little bit like painting the fourth bridge in terms of you never get anywhere so you make a yeah. cup of tea and you know you, you your your payback is you have a cup of tea 
And then if you're in a, in a situation where you've got staff around you and it's your turn, yeah, I kind of think, part of me thinks I'm paying you, you do it. But on, on, a, on, on another level, when you're actually with people that you're working with and you get on with, you think, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show willing. I'll be boss of the year, you know. But, but it's just, you know, it just seems like a, a real sort of drudgery to kind yeah. of, because all you're doing is you're putting the kettle on, which isn't difficult. You're putting a tea bag or two in a pot or in a cup. That's not difficult. And you went to the kettle to boil, and it, none of it's difficult. It just seems to be that, like, I, I guess it's because there isn't a challenge there. You know, there isn't there isn't a creative challenge in doing a tax form, and I find it challenging. But there isn't a creative challenge in that. You don't come away thinking, yeah, that that idea's worked. That cup of tea's worked. When was the last time you moved house? Have you moved house in the in the last while? I've just moved house from my family home after 30 years. Uh, it's as stressful as a uh, as a death in the family. But that, yeah. Because now you, you're forced to confront the fact that we all interface with different organisations. Could be anything from credit cards to insurance to whatever. I mean, just a million different things that you've signed up for. Mm. All of them need your new details. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have been. No, that's why I would have employed a project manager if I'd have known. Well, it, it, it's funny. Those. Uh, I mean, I haven't. I, to answer your question, I haven't moved for eighteen years, and the reason for that is exactly what you've described. Well, there's lots of reasons. I like where I live, and you know. But I mean that that whole thing of. I mean, the problem I think is with that is is that there's always going to be organizations institutions or even or people that you forget that you've got a contact with and then one day kind of you think what's gone on but i think that um one day your credit score goes through the floor because you've tried to log into a site with false credentials and all of a sudden the fucking police are knocking on your door i mean that's a bit extreme but you know what i mean it's that kind of thing no I, I, but I, it's it's all that i mean my wife's pretty good at all that kind of just the organization she likes things to be organized i'm not i you know i'm i kind of like things just to appear done you know <laughs> apart from my work but you know what i mean it's like i you know that, that whole you know changing a bank account or i you know i've got like i've got an ongoing sort of thing with microsoft over teams where it's like i can't get a new microsoft account because i've got one but I can't access the one I supposedly have because I don't have an account. It's real sort of, you know, still <laughs> kind of Terry Green. Sort of 22, thing. yeah. The, I, 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 I had one where um, I moved house, and this is years ago, and they and they, and they they basically kind of the power, uh, was it power gen or something, said, sent me a, a, an address to Ian Henderson. So I tried to pay it, and they said, well, we can't talk to you because we've got to talk to Ian Henderson. You're not the accountant. You know, so I, so I said, okay, well, if I don't exist, then I won't need to pay it. And they said, oh, well, well, we'll, we'll get you because of the address. I'm going, okay, well, can't I talk to you because of the address? <laughs> you know, and some people seem to kind of circumnavigate those sorts of issues, whereas for me it just becomes like a bigger and bigger. Oh, and bigger. I know. as you get older, you just secrete all this garbage. Anyway, let's get the unpleasantness out of the way first. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, what? we're going to do i know this may not be of interest to the kind of synth geeks on this particular podcast but um i'm sorry we have to discuss it because we're both big sheffield wednesday fans what's your view on it uh to be honest to be honest i don't know i i I don't i don't see anything 
particularly good happening in the coming years. And I think I think it's one of those things like survival. I mean, it, it's difficult because I, <clears throat> because I've always I've always like had an issue with people that just slag Transiri off because you you only have to go back a few years to when we had nothing and we were very grateful for him to come in. But I think the reality is that in terms of running a football club of the size of, of Sheffield Wednesday, I'm not saying, you know, sleeping giant. I'm just saying you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing in a big city ish, but I don't think he's, he's, I don't think he knows what he's doing. And I think that he's <laughs> a bit of a problem, <laughs> but it, but it, but it is, you know, and so I, I you know, I, I think that what he should do is understand that. And I think that he should try and sell the club and move on because it, because it's, He's only going to get himself into more and more trouble. It's we're in the position we are because of largely because of his actions. Yeah. And you can still talk about that financial, or also, you know, his appointment of managers and the way that he's gone about appointing them. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it just there's no sort of real vision, you know. And it and it sort of reminds me of like people sort of say, "Oh, it's just a toy to him." And it does remind me of like when he used to play with Lego with my youngest boy, you know, and we sort of spend a couple of days building something, you know, with a, with a plan, whether it's a kit or, or, yeah. or whatever. And then like, just as we're kind of getting to finish with it, he sort of just goes off and takes it all apart and starts to build something else, <laughs> which of course is, which is kind of good and creative, but it, but you know, but I don't think you can do that with a football club no. and, a, and a business. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I'm sick of, Seeing on, on Wednesday forums, like people saying, "Well, oh, at least we'll win some games next season," and I'm like, "Whatever team Darren Moore manages to scrape together might win some games, but it's not the team that we had that didn't get promoted yeah. by any means. Yeah. That team might well win a few games in League One. Although I think you should look at some people should look at Sunderland as, as, a, as an example of why that might not happen. No, I agree. I agree. So okay, I, let's I, go back. I, I don't Sorry. know. So all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, is that with, with Sheffield Wednesday, it's one of those things where. You just don't know because we don't know what team we've got. We don't really know the, how the manager's going to work out. We don't know a lot of the, the business things that have gone on behind that could jump up and sort of bite us in the backside. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, let's move on to your career. So, I mean, I, I love this story and, you know, when we first met and everything and how how you came to Sheffield and fell in love with it and stayed, basically. Is yeah. Correct, isn't it? Um and uh, damn right, yeah. I mean, of course, we all love Sheffield, and I, although I've not lived in Sheffield since '81, um, I still regard myself a Sheffielder. Um, and are, am I right in saying that you were self-taught as a designer? Is that right? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, self-taught is the, the the best way to describe it. But I, I, the reality is, I didn't even ever sit down and and sort of think I'm going to learn how to do this. You know. Um, the things I did sort of going, I mean, the first thing, the first thing that I ever really did was a, was a cover for um, my, my punk band when I was, before I came to Sheffield in front helicopters. And that was just, all I had was my mum's typewriter and some felt pens. So I coloured in a bit of paper black, type, type, typed out the titles, cut them out, stuck them on the strips. And I think that kind of as, certainly as the years went on in earlier rather than later designers republic you know that that i i kind of accumulated knowledge 
you know, and found out how to do things as and when necessary rather than, I mean, I know some people who are self-taught as designers and they've sat down and they've learned how to use particular pieces of design software or, or, or learn things that they feel they need to know. But I, I, I tend to only learn things when I need to know them. And, right. and, and, and in other ways, you know, um, in other ways, I, I, I really just, um, you know, I, I kind of, I don't limit what I do, but there are, there are parameters around what I do that are in place because of my lack of knowledge or my extensive knowledge in whichever, whichever direction. Um, you regard that as, right, I always regarded my lack of ability to really play a keyboard properly. Or, or uh, you know, I had a musicality, I had an innate musicality, but I didn't, I wasn't interested and still not really interested in the technical aspects of being able to perform no, me neither. stuff. But I think we're similar. I think in that, in the, you know, the, this there is a sort of a post-punkness about this, but I don't, I mean, we're way past that now for it to you know, really be that relevant, I think. But, uh, but certainly... Um, you know, I've, I've always been much more about the ideas, you know, and so I've, I've tried to surround myself with people that can do some of the things that I want to do better than I can. So in the same way that I don't see any value in 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 me being the author and taking a photograph or taking a shot, because I know a lot of great photographers who can do it better than me. So the photographers that I'll work with will be those who can understand my vision and direction and, and take it a little bit further. Yeah. You know, and and I think when I think that's when I think that's really similar to you know your trajectory of, of yeah, it's like a it's like being a record producer really in the old in the old, the old way of, yeah not everybody's a producer now you know or they say it but. um so but do you, right here's a big question I suppose um the elephant in the room do you regard yourself as an artist or as a designer I genuinely don't ever think to put myself in a particular box. Um, I suppose if I'm working with a client, then then there is a, uh, a stronger element of the of the designer as a as a career as a trade. Yeah. Um, you know, but in terms of and sometimes you know, and, and I guess if there's a, a a strict brief that I need to follow, whether it's been given or whether I've developed it, you know, based on conversations for myself. But but I think that's that's more of a designer. But I, but in terms of personality and temperament, I'm I'm probably much more of an artist. My um, my wife used to work for um, Damien Hurst, you know, and, and I'd always sort of you know, and I so I'd, I'd met him a few times. We'd have a conversation about, um, you know, I always thought that he was. I'm not saying a better designer than an artist, you know, because I, again, I, I I don't really kind of think about it in that way but he is he a lot of his work is really well is really good design yes and in in his art because it's called art but a lot of what he does could be graphic design on a on a album cover or on you know or fabric or you know it's, it, it's that kind of thing which i which i think is good that you know that's not criticism i think it's great but then and then you know he sort of say yeah but the way that you approach design is much more of an artist so you know but i don't you know it's because I didn't study design, then I never felt the need to kind of, you know, become a designer as a career. 
it's just something that that I, that I do, and I think I think I I think that I problem solve like a designer, but probably uh, probably my solution, my, my the way that I kind of you know probably the way that I kind of um, I can't even think of the word now, <laughs> but the way that I kind of make things look, you know, the yeah. way that I communicate those solutions is probably more artistic. And, and I think also uh, I'm really not interested in, in the sort of the empire building of having a bigger and bigger studio. I mean, I, in, in, you know, in the mid 2000s, I had, you know, a relatively big studio, you know, like 22 people, I think. Right. It was hideous. You know, I used to go and hide in a little room, not, you know, not cowering, but, but, you know, it's like you sort of said, is that, that the weight of, running a business i mean some 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 people i know kind of started out as designers and they end up being more interested in running a business because they like money making mm. you know whereas i think for me i you know if i could I, i'd be satisfied with a decent living yeah and never sort of charge for anything you know if, if my role in life and the thing that i could wake up and do every day was what i do yeah you know, I'd, I would rather kind of be guaranteed, you know, uh, a wage for that. Yes, I agree. For, for a year. I, you know, if I, if you could take all the money, all the kind of negotiating, the haggling, the kind of everything, if you could take all of that out of it, I'd be really happy. You know, and, and even if it meant that kind of my potential to earn was was capped or whatever. Yeah, you know. I agree. But having said that, having said that, I think – you know a lot of creatives are like that but at the same time we don't necessarily want a job no that's the thing so you want to be your own boss define your own uh job description but have a regular wage i'd, I'd agree with that i'd be quite happy with that um, it's a little bit like a communist a perfect communist yeah whereby you know you know the the the, the person in the supermarket does their job the the yeah. In men do their job and I do my job and everybody got, everybody gets the same and you're all kind of happy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just doing what I want to do. You know? Okay. So let's go on to your, um, right. I'll tell you my, my kind of take on your um, house style, should we say, um, is uh, uh, my, my, always my initial reaction is it, it, I've always thought that the kind of, um weird way that um kind of far eastern japanese some chinese taiwanese kind of stuff is organized and the mysteriousness of the way it looks uh is is must have been a, a significant um influence on you because it's that a lot of that blockiness that kind of the bold uh, ideogram uh, <laughs> thing is is a large, seems to be a large part of what you um how you approach things because you kind of applied a similar kind of shape philosophy to to designing typefaces and the kerning well, this is all very technical but you know the cur the lack of kerning and mm -hmm. the cramping things together and this i mean it, tell tell me about your design philosophy which is very very strongly associated with um font Photography, in there, I suppose. Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I'm not sure that, that, that when people talk about house style, it's kind of, it's a bit confusing for me because different people 
who we've connected with in, in different ways at different times and for different reasons. And therefore the work has been sort of different for those different people. Yeah. Each of those, each of those people will talk about what they consider to be the design of your public house style. And then, and then, you know, and then you realize that they're talking about something completely different or, and, and sometimes, so when we, you know, going back to the mid nineties, when we were doing sort of stuff with Supergrass and they were kind of saying, Oh, this is the stuff that we love about design of Republic. And it was interesting that kind of nothing that we were known for by anybody else had even sort of crept up on their radar. I mean, they didn't know that we'd been involved in any sort of wipeout game. They didn't know about the dance stuff because it didn't, it wasn't part of their world, you know, but what they did know was that some other grip poppy things at the time. So, so I think, I think that, you know, and, and, and also, I mean, I, I think that, I think that what it is, is there's a, well, there's two things. One, I've realized that after 35 years that actually kind of what I, I like doing is, is almost like acting and role playing so that, you know, you could have an actor that has a, a particular style of, of acting and therefore they get certain roles, but they can play roles differently. If that makes sense, you know, so that kind of, I, I you know, typecasting, how about that for a pun? <laughs> very good um but but i think i think that there's my overall approach to design is is probably in terms of right from the very beginning when i was working with a leeds band called age of chance we had this i had this idea that to be able to design something for them having not studied design or anything was to kind of work out all the things that i thought existed in 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 a, in a world of age of chance and then, and then it's a little bit like, but then it's also, there's the, there's the idea of, of just looking around and seeing what there is and putting different things together, trying different things together, you know, in, given that I don't believe that there's anything totally new. So what things could exist in the world of Age of Chance and what things can't. And then when you've got that, then the, the stuff that's in the, the, the old school box file of stuff that this is Age of Chance then it's about sort of putting those together and building something out of those. And that's kind of evolved into a sense of, I, I suppose if, I mean, I don't think about this all day, every day, but if pushed, I kind of see myself more of, of like there's, there's a me filter or a design of your public filter. So all the different things that, you know, that, that, that might be relevant to a particular project kind of go in there and, and how we we pull that together and how we make something new out of it comes out the other end or the other side of the filter. And I think, so I think it's, I think it's like that. And, 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 you know, it's, I think it's really, if you look back over designers, there's, there's certain things which kind of crop up as with any artist or musician, there are certain motifs that are always going to crop up because they're part of you and, you know, um, you don't necessarily sit down and think, oh, I, I haven't, I haven't got the blocky font in there yet. I'll have to do that. But there are certain things visually that are, that will that will repeat and crop up throughout the years or, or work because of the way that I think. But it, for me, I think that the the difference is it's always about. I'm, I'm fascinated by the you know the, the the contradictions between notions of like what if and what is, and some designers you know, uh, are comfortable in the world of what is, you know. Um, but for me, I, I, it, it's always like 
what if I just delete half of what's there? What's left? <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if I just put a different design on top? What if I start again 10 minutes before I'm, you know, and, and it's always like, kind of, let's see what happens. And that's what keeps me interested. That's why I, I still enjoy doing it. And, wh- and what, what is what is more difficult for me is when you have to kind of get into a pitch situation, which luckily I, I don't really do much. If people want to work with me, they can. If they don't, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't enjoy the kind of the lottery of coming up with a few ideas, hoping a client might pick one yeah. or might not. But the... Um, but you know, I I find in terms of, of creativity, I find it really difficult, you know, if you have to pitch some ideas. So you're trying to pitch the right ideas, but if you really want the job and, and to make it worthwhile putting the effort in to get the pitch together in the first place, you might as well try to get the job. And then all you're doing is second guessing what you think the client might like rather than doing what you think yeah. is right. And 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 the and the, but the bigger problem that so you do all that and let's just say you win the pitch. For me, the biggest problem there is that you then the next however long till the deadline, three months, six months, whatever, all you're doing is working towards the idea that you had right at the beginning. Yeah, There's no creativity in there. All you're doing is populating a populating a space, a, a gap between you know the two the two endpoints. Yeah, I hate the thing. Um... I mean, I can relate to you, your process. It, I I always uh, refused to allow, when somebody took me on as a producer. I refused. I, I said one of the conditions is that the A and R person is not allowed into the studio at all, mm. ever. Yeah. Uh, they can hear the final product. They can they can give me notes, and if they want something adjusting, that's fine. But this is not like some collaboration. If you want to be collaborative. Uh, fine, go and find another producer. This is, I've got to, I, I, I've got to hermetically seal myself in a bubble with, uh, with, with the artist, yeah. and it's got to be us against the world, yeah. You, and that's when the good stuff happens. I think it's true because I, I mean, I, I think that you never, I mean, I mean, it's probably that it's any in any kind of creative thing is you you never get great results through committee. Never, you know, and it's always about sort of singular vision. And I was having a conversation um, a couple of days ago about uh, and this is kind of a bit off, off, off the wall, but like you know about Hendrix and kind of saying that kind of you know when, whenever, whenever he kind of let um, Noel Redding and uh, oh, I forget his name, but um, but you know whenever he kind of had a, a sort of a, 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 an urge for democracy at some point and let yeah. them in on it, you know, it was always less than, you know, so, and, and, and in that sense, you know, what they added to what he did, you know, in a way that kind of was, was great, you know, but, but I think but that's how Desired Republic has, has, has usually been, you know, in that, you know, I don't even have to have authorship of, a specific idea, but the general view of what Designers Republic is, what it does, how it does it, how we interact with people, what our place in the world is, you know, is mine because it's there's no there's if it's not mine, then it could be somebody else's. But but if it's not a singular view, then it's nearly always compromised. And I think that if you've got a great vision, then those then all the talented people that you work with kind of can fall in behind and help 
exactly operate that vision but you can't it doesn't you can have the kind of the best 10 creatives in the world but you'll still not get a great design by committee you'll still still be one person that goes i've got this idea and then the rest will follow i agree completely with you i think um what they call it beneficial dictatorship i suppose (laughs) (laughs) that's what we are benign benign yeah that's it benign dictatorship okay let's move on to um to some other stuff. So, your influences. Uh, obvi- I mean, uh, looking at some other things I've seen online, uh, pretty similar to mine in a lot of ways. There's a list here I made, which is like punk, sci-fi, t- you know, TV, popular culture, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Warhol, pop is a big thing for you. So, it's quite interesting because you work with a lot of uh, quite esoteric artists on with Warp. Uh, who I love, by the way. I, I, I love. Uh, I think your that your um, your visualization and artwork for a lot of their work has kind of defined an attitude that they embody in the music. So that is the absolute definition of what a designer should do, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And nobody could ever go, oh well, you know, it's just another one of those Warp records because they all the album covers look the same, and so it's just. It feels authentic from a visual representation point of view, and musically, there's a there's a vibe going on. So I just want to let the podcast listeners know that you've it's I read I suppose it's true that you've designed over five thousand record sleeves. Is that right? Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Thirty five five years. I mean, some of them, you know, to be fair, some of them are like remixes of. You know, and things like that. So I, I think it's probably about three thousand, three and a half thousand releases. Holy shit! That's a lot. Of- it's a lot, but when you th- when you think that uh, one of the great things about Design of Republic when we started, I mean, especially you know, people talk about the golden period. I don't. The golden period is is where, wherever I am at any one time, really. Yeah. But, but there was a cert- there was certainly a time when you know we'd we really kind of hit our stride. So you'd have like five designers. You know, and if you think about it, five designers, and we're all sort of working on like a at least three covers, you know, album or album or single covers at a, at a particular time. You know, then you start multiplying that up. You know, you soon kind of get to sort of bigger numbers, and and of course, you know, that, that it's also true to say that you know they're not necessarily all individual designs. Because I'm talking about. There you are know, iterations of designs, yeah. Yeah, or like, you know, sort of warp 12-inch that's got basically a purple cover and a purple, you know, the old days. Yeah, got, yeah, the, yeah. Then I'm talking about that number of releases we've been involved in. I mean, I've, but, you know, I, I, it was never really sort of something that that was supposed to be kind of tested and validated. You know, it was just, to, it's just, and I, I kind of remember saying it to someone because it more out of, I'm the same as you. I look back and I think like, Jesus like that many but but you know but again as i say when you sort of think of it week on week and the amount of work and the hunger that we had you know in, in the early days and so I mean, it's, i'm still hungry now for new things but i mean it, you know you, you you get a bit older and you you slow down and, and and you get i only do this is i only really do this because i still enjoy it yeah so the enjoyment you get is slightly different but like in the in the, in the 90s you know there was that whole thing that we you know we we kind of hunted in packs, you know, and if we went out, we'd, we'd work till like nine or 10 o'clock at night. Then we'd all go out together, you know, and then probably get sort of 
hammered and then sort of back in the studio again at 10 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, and, and it was very much like, you know, a band or a gang, right. you know, and, and, and the energy was, was great, you know, and, and I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that every single thing that we did was great. And we had some clients who, who would say that they thought our house style was something that they might like, but, but really, you know, we were kind of doing stuff for them. So it's, yeah. So, the, so yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of covers and there's also a lot of stuff that's non-music related, you know, working with sort of Coca-Cola, Audi, Gulbenkian Foundation, University of Manchester, University of Sheffield, and doing lots of, you know, FMCG stuff, you know, at one point it was like, we always used to say, I, I remember at the beginning when I, when it was, when I had a, you know, I, I then still then had a an aptitude for a one liner, you know, and people <laughs> and, and, and people would say, you know, like kind of, don't you want to see your work in a gallery? And I'd you know, be like, no, but a record store is our gallery. That's where, that's the natural place for the stuff. If you want to see our work, go to a record store. And I remember there was like a couple of years when we were working with Coca Cola and things like that. When, when it almost became like, if you want to see our work, go to a supermarket, yeah, or something. But you know, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's still a, you know, a bit of a thrill to see your stuff out there. Okay, but, so here, here's something I want to address. So, um, you've done. I also read you've done like thirty solo designs of Republic uh, exhibitions. Is that right? Yeah. And so that that's really putting you in the world of kind of art galleries really i mean you know yeah. and and that's not i mean you know it seems perfectly appropriate to me but it's not something that a lot of designers a aspire to or b could pull off i think that's when you you, you talked earlier about the about whether being an artist or a designer and i think that i think there's there's always a big there's always a significant concept behind everything that I do and everything that I want to design as Republic to do. So I think that's, that's why we can populate art galleries. Right. Uh, you know, because, because it's not just a, it's not like an exhibition stand of a, of a, of a design agency, you know, or an advertising yeah. agency that's done some nice work. Everything that we do, you know, comes from us uh and, and then probably kind of somewhere you know i mean it, all sorts of influences you know when you talked about it but the other day i was um i was just watching the title sequence to um man in a suitcase if you remember that <laughs> yeah i do and, and i kind of went off on a man in a suitcase and then sort of champions and and, and all that kind of thing and i thought and i was looking back and thinking you know so much of of the sort of the the eighties, the you know, sort of the first yeah. four or five years of Design Republic was really sort of based based on on that kind of thing, and you know, very different to what people would imagine, you know. But again, it's 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 not because I thought the design was particularly particularly good, bad, or anything. It's just that it excited me and that inspired me, and that's where yeah. you start getting the things. Would you like? Would you have liked, or would you still like to? design kind of go back to that kind of theory and design titles for tv series and films and stuff like that yeah i mean we we did it, it's, it's funny i like the idea of it based on having an understanding of where i am and and now 
and 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 how I work. So if if I if I look at or think about TV sort of titles and things, then I think yeah. I could apply how we work and, and 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 apply it to that, but the reality is it's a, it's a it's a very different kind of business. So um, I think I could see I could see a, a TDR version of something like What's New Pussycat, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, or or, or, or even you know, um, like uh, Vertigo. men in their flying machines. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, but if you look at Saul Bass's work, you know, with Hitchcock, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it 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 would make sense. But I, but I think it's again, it's a different, it's a different mentality because, um, we did so we did the film, we did the titles and the end credits for a film, uh, a French film called Club to Death, which was kind of quite big in the sort of nineties, um, and. And then we were asked to do a film poster, and this was by the uh, the independent cinema film, film, film company that that produced the film. And um, and then it got to the point it got to the distributors, who were all powerful. And I had a meeting with um, I think uh, Polygram Film Distribution in, in in Paris, and they were kind of saying well, we'd want this change, and this needs to be changed, and this needs to be changed, and some of these things need to be changed because that's how it works territory by territory globally. Right. And other things need to be changed because we just don't like it and we'd like it to be like this. Yeah. You know, and, I was, and I'm like kind of having worked in the music industry where we get, we obviously got some respect and trust. And so I'm kind of saying, yeah, but that doesn't work because, and I've thought we've thought these things through and this works and okay, we could change that, but that's not going to work. And you're not going to have the same feel or aesthetic yeah. to, to the, the sequence you've actually already signed off apart from the things you want to change, you know, and they just kind of sat and sort of patiently listened, you know, to me telling them all this and then said, yeah, that's yeah. Great. So what we need you to change. Yes. Is, you yeah. know. It's like Brian, <laughs> isn't it, you know? But yeah. And I, and I think that, so oh, I'll do it the way that I, that I want it then. Shall <laughs> we? Yeah. But I think that, you know, I could understand some of the things where they sort of said, you know, we were we were naive in certain things. You know, we we're saying about changing the orientation from posters to from landscape to paper, or whatever. And they're saying the problem is outside the majority of cinemas in the world, the, the the box you put it in is a shape. And if you had, you know, so I so that was a learning process. But but I just thought not. It wasn't like me being a diva, and although I, you know I can do for for a fee, but it wasn't like me being a, a diva. It was just that I don't think that that we were delivering them what they wanted if we took all the stuff out that they wanted yeah. to take out. So they were asking for one thing and then telling us how to do it, that would end up with something different. It just seemed to be too, too complicated. I think there's too we, many egos involved in the film world. That's oh God. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's nothing compared to fashion industry, but you know, that's a different story. But I think that we did that. We did the titles for Phoenix nights. I think oh, that's, great. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about um, so? Tell us about you worked with uh, Isumi Aki and Comedy Garçon, didn't you? Yeah. Tell us about uh, your experiences with that. Um, well, Isumi Aki was uh, it was a kind of a, a long distance relationship, really, and primarily the first thing that we did that they had a thing called the Oval series, and. Um, 
think that was yeah. So we designed it, and that was the Oval Series was was like designers working, looking at different ways to package a t-shirt or different approaches to you know to selling a t-shirt. So we did one that was vacuum packed into a square block, <clears throat> and on the shirt you had it was a it was a plain shirt with some plain sort of white light colored blocks with little bits of you know detailed text and that just because that's what we did and um you know on the on the principle that kind of big is only big relative to small etc and um and and then you know you had a little stencil and a pen and you could write your own message on there you know so that you know could have could personalize the shirt and that's how it started and then i think for about three years we did most of their um you know, see, season on season fashion shows. We did most of the the the, the flyers and the invitations and little catalogs for that. Um, so that was really the relationship with Izzy Mayaki. Uh, then I started doing some stuff. Um, a guy called Eddie Sliman, uh, who was at Dior at the time. He he just arrived at Dior as a new wonder kid, and he wanted me to go and consult on the um, the interior of his new space. I think I think it's around Faubourg or something, but anyway, that and it was his idea was based on um, the album cover we did for Chiastic Slide. Right? Uh, was it Chiastic Slide? Yeah, I get confused, but yeah, or uh, Tekka thing. And so basically, he he pretty much knew what he wanted to do based on that artwork, and. Um, I think, you know, I kind of went in and and basically kind of validated some of his decisions and said, yes, that's what, yes, yes, that's exactly what I would have done, you know. And um, which was, you know, fair enough. He knew what he wanted, but and it was good that he got me in because it was, it was a world I didn't know. But then that kind of led on to designing some packaging for uh, Dior Om. And I, and they kind of, and, and the people at Dior had said, you know, it's, um, either, you know, you need to move to Paris because we we need to have you. If we got a, if we want a meeting, this important meeting, then you need to be there in an hour. I said, well, I'm not going to move to Paris um, unless you want to significantly increase the fee. And um, and I said, and and I and living in Sheffield, which is where I choose to live, it, it's not possible to to just drop everything. I said if. If it was drop everything and you were in Sheffield, I'd drop everything for you because it's a great project. But anyway, I think MM Paris finished off the work that, that we did because sort of Dior had a bit of a, a fit. They kind of said, you've got to be here tomorrow at 9am. And I said, okay, I can't, physically can't do that. And they said, oh, we can't work with you. This is impossible. You're you're impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think, you know, in, so in, in the fashion world, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's odd because there are, because they're creatives, you know, at the core, there's a creative and then they're surrounded by the people who, who they need you know, yeah. to, to big them up. But also those, the people that surround them need to be near somebody creative because they don't have it themselves, you know? And so I've never, you know, I've, I've done work with Rick Owens. I've done, you know, um, the Comme des Garçons thing was a more, was a more recent thing in that, uh, Yun Watanabe had seen um, an album cover or a singles cover, album cover that I did for Belgian techno thing, Hard Floor, and really kind of said, I, I want to use that lettering, it's brilliant. Yeah. 
um, and was encouraged by the uh, the people she works with at Comedy Garçon to get in contact with me rather than just ripping it off, which was good. And, I mean, actually, I've just got it. Oh, I just realised I've got it. Oh, no. All right, nice. But um, but you know, so that so that was but that was very much kind of this is what we want you to do. Can you do it? Um, I love your work. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so 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 it was a it, it, it's interesting. It's just it's just a different world, I think, because I think even. You know, in the music industry, well, I, I, I make it make it even more sort of simple. Is that I think there are some designers, of which I'm one, who who work best to deliver what people want them to deliver, when they're trusted to go off and do it in the way that they do it. Yes, I don't work particularly well if somebody says, "I really like this job you've done. We want you to do it the same." And we're going to tell you the process by by which you're going to arrive <laughs> no, at that. I totally agree with you, mate. It's like somebody saying, I love that Terrence Trent Derby album. I want you to do exactly the same with an artist who didn't have the same talent. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but anyway, let's move on to um, the work we did together, um, the Soyoscape at the yeah. – um, and it's Architectural Biennale, which was part of a bigger – kind of group show in the British Pavilion. Um, and the basic premise, just uh, to fill you in, the basic premise of the whole thing is uh, was the idea of, uh, or the philosophical premise of it, was the idea that cities should be about people, not about the grandiosity of, the, uh, uh, of architects. Of course, that went down like a brick in a swimming pool with the architectural community. <laughs> but that's uh, Jeremy Till, who's now kind of head of um, Central St. Martins, um, who I love to death, by the way. Um, is a, he, is a, he is an iconoclast anyway, and that's his job. He's a critic yeah. uh, in, the, in, in the traditional sense of the word. So it was a, it was a provocation. Uh, but I really believed in that stuff. By the way, I I still think that's one of the ex, one of the things that I've done that I'm most proud of. And your incredible visual uh, mural of of Sheffield that, that you created, and we created a a soundtrack based on intros of Sheffield bands, as though it's like a radio being retuned all the time in 3D sound. I thought it was just stunning. And if they, to be honest, I've been to the architectural um, exhibition in venice this year and uh it would win the fucking prize mate because honestly there's not a lot of good stuff going on out there um at the moment um i thought our pavilion was excellent i have to say and malcolm's stuff as well and all that i um, think it was i mean i think a lot of the uh it, it, it was it was a thorn in a lot of people's side you know even on our side that that jeremy's sort of team you know, one the one because it was about cities, and as you say, it's about kind of different ways of looking at cities. You know, whether it's whether you build a city up from people or whether you build a city up from the digital the digital infrastructure. So rather than building something concrete, they have to dig it up to put a yeah. conduit for something, you know, ethereal. Um, but but you know, the very fact that kind of you know Sheffield. You know, rather than so it wasn't London, and it would have been pointless to have done it as London because you know people were bored of it. And the British Council also had a lot of people pushing them to to you know to engage the provinces 
The provinces, I fucking love that. I've just got to mention at this point your inspirational uh, phrase, uh, Soyo North of Nowhere TM, uh, which is Sheffield. The idea that Sheffield is as much the centre of the world as any other city, but in particular in Britain. Um, so this idea that we are the north is a, the implication is that the centre is south. Yeah. But I also I think it's that thing when with the Scottish the, the the sort of vote for Scottish independence, you know, and there was a whole thing in Shefford of like kind of saying, you know, vote leave, you know, in terms of Scotland and, and the yeah. union and take us with you. you yeah, know? absolutely. <laughs> I'm down with that. I mean, but, I um, that thing that happened during the Brexit thing where they um they were going, for God's sake, please leave. And then they they, they had the published those maps, where, and I was always looking at where the line was. I'm going, please <laughs> let Sheffield be right. part of this new state, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, thank God. It was just south of Sheffield, I think. But yeah, so um, yeah, so but the, the the Venice Biennale thing was there was there was a, the, one of the early premises as well came from just something that I that I kind of there's, there's always I've all I've. I've always been interested in maps and I've always been interested in, in people. And, and I would say one of the things about Designers Republic's work is that it's always, is it, as an aside, it's always geared towards, I imagine it as a communication to somebody for a reason to engender a response, to create a dialogue. So I'm not really interested in things that just look nice or arranging things on a two-dimensional surface. So I've had, and I've always had this thing, I think possibly because um, I had my sort of early teen years was in Bracknell Newtown, so I lived in a new town. But and and in this anyway, so this they had this idea that there's as many Sheffields as there are people living in Sheffield or who have lived in Sheffield or you know have read about Sheffield because everybody has a slightly different perception, <laughs> even down to and, and it's quite a key thing that kind of you know if if I left my office, my studio, and went to get a sandwich at shop A and a coffee from shop B, and then maybe I might want to nip into a record store on the way back just, you know, for, for whatever reason, or, or anything, book a holiday, buy some clothes, whatever. That The route that I would choose would be based on the places that I wanted to go, or possibly the places that I went to most regularly. Um. And somebody else might do the same set of jobs. But, you know, so they might cut up back through the back of the crucible or take a shortcut through the multi-storey under the, the dual carriageway or walk up Chapel Walk or go, or go up Chapel Walk but cut through Martin Spencer's and get a sandwich. You know, the, the, all these things, it, it's, it's, it's all different. There's, and the places that we use the most or travel to the most you know, tend to kind of, you know, you know, psychogeography or whatever. I don't know, but but they tend to, you know, they become the hubs, and not necessarily the places that are designed by the planners to be a hub or a meeting point. You know, exactly. you use your own, and you know, and so uh, there was um, there's uh, an example was the the way that um, I used to drive to Hillsborough for, on match days, and it was. Is actually kind of it doesn't really matter for the, for the listeners, but it was actually kind of a good route to avoid all the traffic. But it was based on the fact that I used to live in in Walkley, which was 
on the Hillsborough side of Sheffield. And so I just dropped down through Rivlin Valley yeah. and up. Yeah. Then when I moved, say, down to towards um, Eccles or Hunters Bar area, which is like further away from yeah. this, you know, but I would still drive from that point up to the point where, yeah. where I used to live. You know, and so instead of like looking at a whole new route, perhaps going around the other side of the city, but that that was my Sheffield was that I knew that route and therefore, you know, like like cabbies do in London when they're doing the knowledge, you know, you you don't just learn everything on a flat level. You learn you learn how to get like, say like from, doubles. Like doubles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and I think that so, you know, that that was one of the ideas. And there was this sort of sense that, you know, a, a city isn't isn't really anything, you know, without without the people in it, you know. Yeah, but there's a lot of um, new developments, and I, I'd go so far as to say the new, new towns post Second World War has come into that banner a lot of the time, uh, and a lot of new developments in the centre of London. I'm fascinated with urbanism, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I, until recently was a member of the Academy of Urbanism and and all that stuff. I I love. I've just moved to Marylebone Lane. All right. Uh, which is be- uh, an amazing area. Marylebone's my favourite area of London. I'm 10 minutes from anything you could possibly want, honestly. Yeah. Culturally, food, clothing, 15 maximum. So, um, and I'm on the fifth floor, so I've got a view of all the, the kind of beautiful uh, eaves of the buildings that were built in the late 17th and, and throughout the Victorian period and all that stuff. It's like living in Paris or something. It's bloody amazing. And I love the, the, the thing, that, but the thing that makes Marylebone, despite all that, that, um, that stuff that I just mentioned, the thing that makes it most interesting is the people because mm. it attracts some fairly well-off people, but the generally the more kind of bohemian types. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I believe in this magnetic uh, nature of certain areas attracts certain types of people. I've got, well, it obviously does, but people don't really acknowledge it when they're planning cities they, because, okay. because of the hubris of the designers. That's why. <laughs> but it, it's true. And I think the thing is that, that one, I mean, having lived in a, in a new town, the, the one thing that you, that you can't build is community. Yeah. And the other thing is that you can't design habit. And and so Bracknell Newtown was a place, if, if you looked at it, you know, on, a, on an aerial photograph, it looked pretty much like the original planner's drawings. And, and so the, the so there were, you know, shopping centre areas, and then they were like always sort of punctuated by areas of, of green, well, it's like grass or whatever, you yeah. know. And a few little pathways that have that wood chip sort of, you know, um, covering on it, and, and lots of things like that. So the the desire was there, and you know that it was the right idea. In the same way that you know, sort of Park Hill was was in theory, yes. you know, it was an, it was in, they were trying to build an ideal world. But anyway, so the so what you had in in Bracknell was pretty much two thirds of the year when it was raining or had been raining. <laughs> The, the city centre, which is a you know, sort of pedestrian precinct, a series of different precincts, was just swathed in, in a wash with, with mud and muddy water. Oh, no. Because, because basically what happened, that they didn't take into consideration the fact that people will tend to take the shortest distance from A to B. So if you have an area of, of grass, 
sort of next, you know, between between the the, the shopping centre bit and the railway station. That in general, people are just going to walk the most direct straight line, yeah. and you can have a landscape path that kind of swoops around. You yeah, know, like, yeah, exactly. like, you know, like a, like a meandering river or an oxbow lake or like a snake or whatever. <laughs> you know, so that is that people just walk straight across. So therefore, what you had was two paths: the one sort of the the, the less trodden path, which was the landscapers. Yeah, kind of, this is this looks great on my drawing, and the other one was the the one that people just walked yeah, straight across the grass. Cut a great a metaphor, actually. Yeah. It's great. Okay, we've got to we've got to finish because we could go on for ages. But I just want to quickly mention your uh, documentary. When does that come out? The it hasn't. It, it, it kind of. It was. It's not coming out. It, well, I, I I mean I I don't know. It, it's the the people the leisure centre memories who 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 were making the thing. They they had like some. It was a small. It was a small group of people, and um, I had various offers or conversations with different filmmakers, and um, I felt that I wanted to go with these people from sort of Birmingham, Coventry, because they had the enthusiasm and because they were new, and uh, partly because I thought that you know they're, they're more likely to do what I wanted them to do. You know, not not me directing it, but you know be interested in those things um but but you know they 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 had quite a lot of, sort of personal problems and some uh, business problems in the name which they had to sort of fix by going off and doing day job type things and then sort of coming back so it dragged on and dragged on and, and 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 now of course the problem is that you know for a film that was supposed to supposed to kind of be done in 2012 2013 you know, a lot of the, a lot of the com, a lot of the interviews were done in it were, were done in Tokyo when I had um, a show in, at the Ginza Graphic Gallery. You know, so there's there's a, you know, there's there's shots of really beautiful kind of slow mo shots of me crossing, you know, the the, the 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 double crossing in Shibuya, and and all of that and the neons and everything and, you know, really really fantastic. Um, but it was getting it was it was putting the rest of it together and finding time to get the other bits and pieces and it went on and it went on, you know. And so it, it, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Oh, it, what a tragedy! It, well, something should happen with it, but we've got to work out a way because it, I don't think it can just come out as being this is a documentary about a design about a design company. Do you know what I mean? So so that I so I'm not saying that I've changed. I don't mind that. I, that obviously, I changed my opinion. Maybe every do day. it as an maybe do it as an impressionistic kind of uh, fever dream type thing. Well, I think I think there's that, and I think the other conversation is about maybe releasing it in terms of chapters that you can dig into, you know, via like, their do it online as a yeah like, do it online as opposed to there being a big thing. So this, so so you and it's easier to position something as an archive piece i think if you do it that way yeah 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 you know okay right we've really got to crack on here uh okay smash it's questions what's your favorite okay. film favorite for, uh, uh, um high plains drifter okay favorite book i love high plains drifter by the way <laughs> oh god I'm, I'm really bad at favorites uh, uh favorite book. yeah medium is the massage good i love that uh tv Everything. Philosophy. In, in recent, more, most recently, let's just say uh, Hinterland. 
Yeah, actually, yeah, I can dig that. Um, philosophy. Or nearest to what your beliefs? Um, I don't know. Uh, existentialist. <laughs> Existentialism. Existentialism. Okay, moment that changed you in your life. I mean, is there any kind of kind of handbrake turn thing? No, I, I, I would probably say the birth of my first child. Son. Oh, but, but, I think, but I think that is, that is a big moment because up until that point, it had been a fairly hedonistic, yeah, gung ho, designers republic, you know, forever, blah blah blah, and then you know, and out every night, and you know, and, and loving it. But getting to the point, I was forty two when I had, the, well, when my wife had Sunny, but when we had Sunny. And and I think I was getting to the point where I was kind of getting bored of it all anyway, but didn't almost didn't know how to how to kind of stop or slow down or do anything different. Because yeah. you because even you'll know this, you kind of get typecast by your friends. So you know, I was the one that kind of was out every night and let's follow him. He's gonna <laughs> need it, you know, to sort of salvation at the next pub. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so okay. I think so probably that. Yeah, yeah. Um musical artist or composer. Ooh. I know there's so many. Just somewhere, want... somewhere, somewhere between Miles Davis and the pop group. Okay, very good. Nobody said that. That's for sure. Um, unfulfilled ambition. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy with where, with where I am. So there are things that I'd like to do, but I don't. I tend not to have ambitions. I tend to like. And people ask me what you're going to be doing in five years' time. I'm like, I don't know, because if I did know, I'd try and do it now. I'm not going to right. wait around five years for Freedom Day or whatever, you know. Right. <laughs> okay, oh, that's a good answer. Um, visual or conceptual artist? I'm just, going to, I'm just going to have to pick one out of the air, aren't I? Yeah. Apart from myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it it really does. It really does change. It really does change a lot. But uh, I'm, I'm going to say either, either I I could have three Warhol or or Damien or Mark Rothko. Yeah, I like Rothko very much. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Um, do you you've written music? Have you written music? Uh, <laughs> I was in a punk band. I've constructed so, I've constructed music, you know. So I mean, I you know I know I know, but I've 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 written bass lines and imagined guitar lines on the top, but writing it or okay, yeah. all right. Well, in which case, what's your favourite synth? <laughs> Is, I've well, asked everybody, even if they're designers. Okay, well, I'm just going to say a wasp then. Okay, they are pretty cool. They, really they actually cool. look like they've been designed by designers yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, finally, which of your own work do you like best? Uh, okay, I've got a, because I never know and because I don't really. That's like favourite really favourites. I've got a stock answer, which is Oversteps, the cover Thank we did for Orteca. Fantastic, Ian, you're a star. Please, God, let Wednesday not just go straight through to League Two, Northern League. Yeah, God. Or else we'll be forming AFC Wednesday or something, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's not end, end on a down note. I'm it's still not the first day of the season. We can do this, you know. <laughs> we can That's do this. Long road back. Yet to define what this is, but we can do it. <laughs> All right, man. Love All you, right, and I'll care. see you very soon. Yeah, take Thanks care. See you. Bye.
Well, that was Ian. Uh, really interesting guy. Um, sometimes called a maximalist minimalist. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you almost certainly will have seen some of his stuff. Uh, he's, he's an artist in the real sense of the word. And I urge you to um, look him up and look at all of his amazing designs. Uh, um, you'll almost certainly be familiar with a lot of what he does. Big shout out to SJM Concerts for continuing to support the podcast, uh, sponsor the podcast. Um, they're a great company. They represent a load of uh, great artists in this country and putting on concerts. We all need entertainment nowadays. And um, Simon Moran, who's the originator um, is head of SJM Concerts. Thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, if you want to write to me, um, uh, electronically, martin at gmail.com. Praises, grumbles, ideas, encouragement, ideas for guests. So I will see you at the next amazing episode same bat time, same bat channel. Goodbye. Bye.